Let's talk about your life. You have work. You've got bills and texts and emails. You've got oil changes and groceries. You've got kids. And you got swimming lessons and football and friends and eBay. And showers and shopping and things can get pretty crazy pretty fast and to make things worse your crazy life is being lived alongside other lives that are just as crazy and before you know it the whole house is hectic we need help We need help. You know, telling other people that they need an attitude adjustment tie isn't a very fun thing to do. My wife said, not on your life. That's what she said. You ain't telling me I need an attitude adjustment. So, um, it's not fun, is it? Anytime you have somebody try to correct your attitude, it's like, eh, I don't need to hear that. Usually is kind of how we respond to that. And so, I don't, but I don't want you get, to get the feeling that this series is all about negativity and, and it, you're just coming at me with all of these attitudes. We, well, we are kind of coming at you with all of these attitudes, but there's a positive side to these, an incredibly positive side to these. I mean, as you think about uh, the attitude that we're talking about today, and I'll just grab this key right here. Um, our key attitude for today is patience. Um, it's It's patience. And, uh, you know, it's a difficult one to have in our culture, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but, but it's one that if we operate from that, um, from that attitude throughout the course of the day, it, it, it affects all people in a positive way. There's just no other way to describe that. Um, if you're just jumping into the series this morning, as I know some of you are, let me catch you up on, on what we're doing. We're talking about the fact that, that we live in a hectic world, and as I would really ha- rather you just kind of step back from that hectic world and make sure that you're you know, spending an hour each evening sitting on your deck drinking tea, relaxing after a long, hard day of work. Um, the reality is that most of you probably aren't going to do that, and uh, uh, you're going to continue to live in this hectic hectic world and hectic schedules and that sort of thing. But there are some attitudes that we can have, even in the midst of the hecticness of life, to, uh, to, to, to help us um, be more healthy and, and be more happy. And, and one of those attitudes is selflessness. We looked at that last week, and, and it's not a real fun one to look at. Um, typically, as human beings, we are selfish people. We think about ourselves uh, more often than we think of other people, uh, but but with the Holy Spirit in our life, we can live life um, selflessly. And uh, this, these are the keys. This is our key ring, and this key ring is what holds the keys together. The key ring represents at its foundation God's love um, and our love. You know, love binds all of these attitudes together. Um, our love for other people is why we would even want to have these attitudes. And love comes from God. Uh, we looked at that last week. You can find that sermon online if you would like to listen to that. But love comes from God, and the Bible says that we are then um, at, at salvation when we surrender our life to Jesus Christ. We receive the Holy Spirit as a gift, as a counselor from God. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives that we are able to have these attitudes. It's that love and the power of the Holy Spirit that holds these keys together and gives us the ability to 
to have them operating in our own lives. And this morning, we're talking about patience. Now, impatience is very easy, isn't it, in your life and in my life? In fact, that's maybe the most common response. Maybe it's the easiest response to have with someone in a particular situation or circumstance is impatience. You know, think about times you've been impatient, right? Your blood pressure goes up, your heart rate speeds up, um, you get a little anxious, you get a little tense, maybe your face turns red. Um, I'm sure you've seen people like this. I'm sure you've never been like this before, but uh, if you were waiting for a flight that got canceled, maybe I'm sure you've seen somebody act this way at an airport. You know, treating the ticket counter lady or the lady that's trying to line up the flight um, in a really harsh way, when in reality she has nothing to do with the circumstances of your flight being canceled. All she is doing is bringing you the bad news. Um, There are other uh, places, circumstances in life, waiting in line, for instance, we can become impatient. So, well, I'm not going to wait in this line, you know. When you go to Walmart, you get impatient quickly over there, don't you? When you come with a loaded cart and you're the first thing that goes through your mind is this. Why don't they have enough checkers? Isn't it? You all think that. It's, but it's out of your control. There's, there's, you, just can't, you just can't control that. Um, Sarah and I were on a cruise ship one time, and one of the, um, I'm sure the cruise line caused this to happen, one of the thrusters on our ship broke down, and we were down to one thruster, and we were seven hours late getting into port, and you would have thought everybody's mother died. I mean, people were, it got intense. In fact, it got kind of dangerous. There was a couple people that were acting in, they were just being really impatient. And it's like, look, what are you going to do? You know, you're not going to jump in and swim faster. You're just going to have to deal with it. And, and oftentimes we deal with things, unfortunately, in an impatient manner. But we are naturally that way. And I would say that one of the reasons why we're naturally that way is the culture that we live in. We are trained to be this way. Um, we live in a culture of microwaves, instant meals, fast food, overnight shipping, online ordering. You know, if, if, if you can't wait three days, you can get it tomorrow, right? Um, we, we experience this in life. Um, all the information that's available, I think, is available at your fingertips. Almost instantly, right? The last couple family gatherings we've had, anytime a question comes up about something... Somebody jumps on their iPhone or their Android phone, right? And they look it up and it's like instant information. And we have it. There's no more wondering. We know the answer. So we don't have to wait for it. We don't have to search for it. We don't even have to wonder about it. Uh, Anyone in this room still have dial-up internet? Anyone, honestly? Really, anybody that would be willing to be honest? I really expected Peg to raise her hand, but <laughs> I didn't know if it was a. I didn't know, you know, if satellite signals could get to you guys clear out there. <laughs> uh, you talk about an exercise in patience. Go try to use a dial-up internet connection today. I don't know if they even exist anymore. I'm sure they do, but um, you know, and and in our culture, it's kind of a. It's kind of the. Um, 
the law of diminishing returns, right? You know, when we got dial-up, it was like, how awesome is this? All of this stuff is available to us. But then the neighbor got the faster thing, and, you know, you saw how fast they could download pictures. And it's like, well, you know, then it's like, when are they going to get that here? There are some people in our town here that are impatient about, you know, just the fact that it's difficult to get Internet at a high rate of speed, and, and, uh, or they're just unwilling to pay for it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just not available. And, and the faster things get, the faster things get, the more impatient we get. Take texting, for instance, or, or even email. Um, do you ever get annoyed when somebody doesn't respond immediately to your text message? Right? We start to get conditioned to that. And it's like, how dare you not answer my text message in 30 seconds? You know, I'm sure I'm the only person on your list of people to speak to today, right? You know, or even email. You know, I, and sometimes I think we get offended. Or maybe you have been offended and maybe you're offended this morning that I didn't respond to your email or something. I, I don't know. But we get, we get conditioned to that and we become impatient. And, and again, our blood pressure goes up. We get shortness of breath. We get anxiety. All of those things. And then it begins to affect our health. And I think any doctor would say that stress and those things, they're not good for you. And, and if we can operate with an attitude of patience, some of those things just go away. They don't, they don't control us like things tend to in our culture. Patience is an attitude that really does go a long way in helping us live life in a healthy way in a hectic world. So where does patience come from? Well, we have all been created in the image of God, right? So, so patience, I would say, comes from God. Just like the, the ability to be selfless comes from God. So, so let's take a look first this morning at God's patience. Okay, And God does more than model patience for us. He operates out of this sense of patience. God is patient with humanity. Um, all throughout the Old Testament, we see God's patience. Time and time and time again, God um, is responding to Israel and with discipline and with some consequence, but then uh, a period of time and then patience in forgiving them and bringing them back in and, and, and blessing them again over and over and over. And in fact, there were times when God waited hundreds of years to act on behalf of Israel. Now, Israel may have thought that that was just God not caring or, you know, he's just come on, God, could you just hurry up? I mean, we, we get that feeling too, right? And, and what we need to recognize is that, that instead of saying, well, he just doesn't care or, or he's disinterested, disinterested in our situation, what it really might boil down to is that he is being patient with you and I. He was being patient with Israel. He was working. He never stops working, ever. God continues to work and continues to work and we, as we look back on all of those cases in the Old Testament that we see with Israel, we see that everything happened when God wanted it to happen. It happened in His timing. Jesus coming to the earth, Jesus being crucified, all happened in His timing on, at the moments in time when He wanted it to happen. And we can trust Him to, to respond that way with us as a humanity. Jesus also promised to return. And to this day, we wait. We wait for the second coming of Jesus Christ. He is coming. He promised He would come. 
And, and I can remember my grandmother talking about, oh, if he could just come tomorrow, or oh, if he could just come today. Lord, don't tarry. Come today. And, and maybe that's been your attitude at times. It's like for crying out loud, wouldn't just come. You know, it's been centuries, centuries since he made this promise. Won't he just come today? But, um, you know, what's taking so long? God is patient with humanity. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. It's not that He doesn't care. It's not that He's just kind of waiting around, you know, doesn't, until He doesn't have anything better to do. It says there that He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. There is a reason. There is a purpose in God's timing. And we can trust Him with that. So it's a good thing that he's patient with humanity, isn't it? I mean, I don't think we'd be here today if he wasn't patient with humanity. Uh, God is also patient with us as individuals. Paul says it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 15 and 16. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, Paul says. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy... So that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display His unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on Him and receive eternal life. Paul is talking about how incredibly patient God was with him. I mean, Paul was, Paul was killing Christians. Paul was zealously living his life this way. And, and, and in our minds, it's like, how many chances does he get? Just just send him to hell. But no, it says that Jesus was patient and showing him mercy. And then that has become an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. He has patience for us individually. If God wasn't patient, he would have probably destroyed us all with the flood, right? I mean, what a better... better time in history to do that. He wouldn't have preserved Noah and his family as a remnant. Um, he would have just said, forget it. It's, it's done. But he, he has great love. He has great love for his creation. And in his patience, he continues to teach us. Think about your own life. Think about the lessons that you've learned um, over the 10 plus years or the 90 plus years that you have been alive you know, think about those things. Think about mistakes you have made. Think about, think about poor choices you have made. But think about also after those, when you, when you received the forgiveness and the grace of God and His mercy and you saw how much He loves you and how patient He is with you even to this day. What an amazing God we have. Phil Riken in his book, Loving the way Jesus loves gives an example that, that talks about a marvelous illustration of patient love. Um, and, and, it, and it has to do with a fly ball at a baseball game. Now, I, I have found yesterday that the best time, actually this whole season, the best time to turn on a Rockies game is about the fifth inning. Right? Um, because if I had turned the Rockies game on in the first inning, I would have shut it off by the fourth inning yesterday. Um, it was six to nothing at the beginning of the, at the bottom of the fifth inning. And by the end of the fifth inning, it was eight to six Rockies. Uh, it was amazing. Anyway, um, they ended up winning walk-off home run. It was in dramatic fashion. And I'm only watching because 
you know, I didn't turn it off. Well, in the midst of this game, uh, there's a fly ball hit. And this guy catches this fly ball, okay? He's, he's just off of the first baseline. He catches this fly ball, and he's going crazy. I mean, he's dancing, and he's jumping all around, and he's really excited about catching this fly ball. Because if you know anything about baseball or going to baseball games, pretty slim chance you're going to catch a baseball at a baseball game. I've taken my mitt to every Rockies game I've been to. Not one time have I had the opportunity to catch a baseball. Now, this father, um, it was during a game between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Washington Nationals during the 09 pennant race. And the Phillies fan, his name was Steve Montforto, was sitting with his three-year-old daughter. And a foul ball was hit, and it curved up there in the upper deck. It curved up, and he reaches over the, uh, the banister, and he catches the ball. First ball he's ever caught in his life, probably the last ball he'll ever catch at a baseball game. And then he proceeds to hand it to his three-year-old daughter. And his three-year-old daughter, you know what she does. She throws it back out over the balcony, and it's lost forever. And there's no better time to be impatient and frustrated than in a moment like that, when somebody does something that's just completely, you just didn't see it coming. And what this father did illustrates the love of God. He turns to his daughter and instead of being irritated, he wraps her up in a big, tender embrace and says, I love you. And that is exactly the way that God loves us. He puts gifts in our hands that we could never catch for ourselves. One of those gifts, I believe, is patience. And without realizing what we are doing, sometimes we throw them away. But he doesn't get frustrated and toss us to the wolves. He continues to love us and love us and love us. And then he gives us the freedom to take that same love that we experience from him and hand it out to other people that we meet on a daily basis. And one of those things is the attitude of patience. God is incredibly patient with humanity as a whole. And he's patient with us as an, on an individual basis. And fortunately, he includes in that the ability for us to be patient. And, and I, I just, I feel like I need to repeat this every week because I don't want us getting it in our heads that, that we have to leave here and just in our own strength, be more patient, be more selfless. Okay, we are able to do these things because of the power of the Holy Spirit that we have in our life. And as we surrender ourselves on a daily basis to the work that God is doing in our life, He works that out in us. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Our patience is the fruit of what? The Holy Spirit. It's not the fruit of your great discipline or your awesomeness as a human being. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And as Christians, we don't get to use the excuse, well, I was just created that way, so I can continue to be an impatient person. I can continue to be a selfish person. I can continue to be a mean person. No. We have been created in the image of God, and our character, our personalities have been uh, created in His image but tainted by sin. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, that sin can be run out of our life. We can, we can turn it away. And we can attack life with patience. Just like many of the ways that I react to life, I've learned from my earthly father, who was an incredibly patient man. 
What more lessons can we love, can we learn from our Heavenly Father as we see how He responds to us? And isn't that just great news? I mean, it's encouraging that God is so patient with us. I mean, I just think, thank you, Lord. Now, it takes time for us to grow out of our stubbornness and selfishness. It takes time for us to grow into patient people. But I want to be patient now, right? I mean, let's, let's leave this room and let's just become patient people instantly. No, it doesn't work that way, does it? But there has to be the constant willingness of us to surrender that, to surrender that, to surrender that. Yeah, I knew this was going to happen. Um, as we go through these attitudes, um, I am finding the challenges in the areas in, of, of these attitudes. I don't know if you found that this week, but I had to call somebody on Tuesday and apologize for something. I, I had to tell them, you know, I'm sorry that I acted in this way and that I reacted in this way, and I want you to know that that's never going to happen again. I'm not going to do what I did again. And then, three days later, we're sitting in a situation and it starts to happen in the same way it did the first time all over again. And I, my lip's not bleeding, my tongue's not bleeding, but I'm needing to bite it really hard. And there's an opportunity here for me to do what? To be selfless and, and humble or to react in the way I did before. And thinking the way God is teaching me, it's like, I'm not going to do this. He's teaching me. So far, I've passed that particular test. We shall see in the future. But, but it's, it's surrendering that. It's surrendering that. So, um, I want to be patient now. Uh, of course, the trouble is that I'm in a hurry, but God isn't. Because God is patient in all that He does. And uh, so what does that mean for us? What does that mean for our patience? Well, here's what I think we need to do. I think we need to take an action. We, we need to take the action to take a step back. I think you need to get a piece of paper out and you need to write down. If, if you are typically an impatient person, and, and there are probably people, I tend to think that, that, that God has gifted me with a sense of patience, um, Maybe you're not, and, and, and it would be good for you to take a piece of paper and just write down all of the situations of the last week or two or months where you have responded impatiently. And, and then surrender that list to God and allow Him to begin changing those situations in your life for, for the future. Again, focusing on Galatians chapter 5, that, that this is a fruit of the Spirit. It's the Spirit working in you. It's, I think it would be the Spirit who would speak to you this morning, who, would e who could even convince you that it was a good idea to, to, to be patient with people and with friends. So we need to have patience and we need to learn to have patience, first of all, with God whether it's con concerning His return to the earth or it's some other aspect, something else we've asked Him for in our life and it just doesn't seem like He's getting back to you. You know, it's like you've left a message and you're wondering if He got the message. He hasn't texted you back yet. And it's been a week or a month or ten years. And the question is, are you going to trust Him? Uh, when, it, when it comes to, to his second coming, I really like the verse in James chapter 5, verse 7, and this is your memory verse for the week. 
Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You know, because ultimately, even if... I would hate to be an impatient farmer. Now, I was one at one time, actually. I I planted corn and beans, and then like every day I went out and dug up a little seed to see if it had sprouted yet. It's kind of like watching a pot, right, on the stove. Um, Trust me, they're going to come up. I mean, if they have moisture, they're going to come up. And there's nothing a farmer can do to change that. The farmer can do what the farmer can do. Plant it, you know, cultivate it, do a few other things, and then it's just what? Wait, right? Um, We went through the the state of Indiana a few years back, and uh, I was amazed at their corn, one, and I was amazed at how clean and well-kept their farms were. I I couldn't believe it. you know, all the grass was green and it was all cut and mowed and all their machinery was all in nice little rows. There wasn't any junk piled anywhere around their buildings. It, it was perfect. And, and I, I was thinking to myself, wow, how do they have all the time to spend to keep all of their places so neat? And then it dawned on me. It's this verse right here. You know, back in Iowa and Indiana, they plant it. And then they just watch it grow, right? They don't have to water it. They don't have to do a lot of the work that that our guys and gals have to do here. There's there's no irrigation. Um, It it just happens. And so, of course, they have all this spare time to keep their places up, right? But ultimately, it's up to God whether that corn is going to grow. Ultimately, Uh, whether we're going to have grass for our cows is whether the autumn and spring rains come and whether there was enough snow in the winter. And there is not one thing apart from prayer that you and I can do to change how that happens. We just have to trust that it's going to. And that's a big part of patience that we're going to talk about here in a moment. But what a great word picture James gives us. There isn't anything that we can do Jesus is going to return when Jesus is going to return. What we need to do is be ready for when he does return, which could be tomorrow, it could be today, it could be in 500 years. We just don't know. We just don't know. Because God's ways are not our ways. So many times we must just simply wait. Waiting and trusting, waiting and trusting, waiting and trusting. You know, I wasn't really willing to wait very much to get married when I was in college. I was trying to beat down the doors of matrimony. I wanted to make this thing happen. I was looking for every girl at the University of Wyoming that went to the University of Wyoming to get her MRS degree. I mean, I I was looking for the Mrs. David Anderson, right? And now, as I look back on that time of life, and, and many of you parents have probably told your children the same thing. Look, look, you know, as a high school student, as a middle school student, it ain't going to happen this year. You're not going to get married. You know, just relax. You know, take time. Get to know the person. You know, enjoy the friendship. Enjoy the relationship. Don't stress out over this thing. I mean, I would have a lot more money in my bank account. I would have had a lot more time spent on other things, and I don't want to say more important things, because I think relationships are important. Um, if I had just said, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to rely on you. you. You show me when I come across this person, you know, and, and then I will act on that. 
Uh, because trying to make it happen, trying to make it happen, it just never worked. And God protected me from this relationship and this relationship and this relationship. Until finally when I landed in the town that I thought I was going to be single until I moved away from here, God put the person in my life. You know, you, you can't, in some ways, you can't make movies as good as the lives that we live. God is so good to us. Let's be patient with Him. Let's be patient with one another. Now, this is an enormous category here. Um, because we spend the li- our lifetime, the majority of our lifetime, with other people, with one another, right? Um, all of our relationships. Uh, so the question becomes, how are we going to respond to one another as we live this hectic life together? Uh, Les and Leslie Parrott, uh, marriage counselors, tell, uh, tell a story about when they were flying in a small engine Cessna from uh, one of the islands up northwest of, uh, of Seattle back to Seattle after a conference. And uh, they were pretty nervous about getting in the plane. They'd never been in a small plane to begin with. But, but as they're flying and they're getting ready to land, Les asked the pilot this question. He says, what is the secret to a good landing? And the pilot's response was having the right attitude despite the atmospheric conditions. Now, Les, you know, talks on the intercom to his wife and and he says he meant to say altitude, to have the right altitude despite atmospheric conditions. And the pilot pulls on his dirt and he says, no, no, I meant the right attitude. Because you see... Pilots talk about the plane having a, a particular attitude, right? It's, 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 um, it's how it sits in the air. Um, and, and there's always atmospheric conditions, right? Especially in Wyoming. You never know what the atmospheric... You could take off in calm and then have to try and land this plane in a 30-knot, you know, crosswind. And um, so the question becomes having the right attitude despite what those atmospheric conditions are. What is your response as a pilot going to be to have that smooth landing? And, and for us, in being patient with one another, is how are we going to respond to one another when we experience things in life that are completely out of our control, like an atmospheric condition? You know, uh, when you wake up in the morning and, and the wind is blowing 50 miles an hour, your response to that 50-mile-an-hour wind is going to determine how good or bad your day is going to be. You know, if, if you're like, oh, you know, you're just tired, you're just sick of the wind, you know, it's been a week and a half, and, you know, we were all kind of getting there in this last week. So, so it's like you, you can change. You can change what the wind does to you by your response to it. Uh, the newsletter has, a, I think, a, a pretty good uh, idea of how you can avert your mind from the wind and its, um, its speed and that sort of thing to something on a more positive way. So um, if you didn't get one in the mail, grab one on the back table before you leave today. Um, but, but it's this attitude response to things out of our control because there are lots of things that happen that we have no control over our health. Um, there's lots of situations. And, with, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can respond with patience. Here's a great verse, Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 11 and 12. Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience 
and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Paul's talking about being thankful in this beginning section of the book of Colossians. And he says here that we are strengthened with all power that comes from God so that we can have great endurance and patience, so that we can be thankful in situations, so that we can be patient when we get a flat tire and we have nothing, you know, we have no spare. What are you going to do? Well, you're just going to, how are you going to respond to that? Are you going to get angry and throw rocks or, or are you going to kind of figure out what to do? And that happens in our life every day, every day. What's our response going to be? Well, let's get up in the morning and ask God to work this out in our lives. Let's get up in the morning and say, Lord, um, you're teaching us about patience this week. Lord, help me to be patient today. Show me those, those places in my life where, where I need to be patient and I haven't been already. Teach me. And I believe that not only can you be patient, but you, that you can actually begin to be patient with an attitude of joy. It's just like, you know what, have you ever been caught? I, I, my wife was in the car, Sarah and Brittany were in the car, and they were waiting for me. I went to Walmart to get a, a, a gift for somebody, and I went in there and I couldn't find what I was looking for. So it took me 10 minutes to find what I was looking for. When I finally found what I was looking for, it was a gift card. I took it to the register and, and swiped it, and it didn't work. She's like, well, I did this self-checkout thing, right? And then she's like, well, come over here, and I'll try it on my register. And every time I swiped it, it, it charged my card, and then it, then it credited my card right back. So I'm also thinking, oh, you know, did I just charge $200 worth of stuff here? She's like, well, that didn't work. So she's like, let me call my boss. So she called, and, and again, I am not... Maybe if I had an appointment or something, I might have been a little bit frustrated. But it's just like, you know what, let's just get this figured out. So we, I had to go and search through all the other kiosks to find another card. And I come back and scan it. Nope, doesn't work. And, and I, what, what did I end up doing? Oh, I ended up getting a different one from a different restaurant because obviously this restaurant, they weren't honoring their card that particular day. And it worked eventually. And, um, you know, I finally get to the car and we leave and that sort of thing. But just imagine how frustrated I could have been if I wasn't operating from an attitude of patience. I could have said something to the person that was checking me out that I could have regretted later. Um, But but that didn't happen. Um, We need to have patience. Uh, Does anybody remember the kids program music machine raise your hand if you remember the old music machine ah there is a few people in here the old music machine well this this topic reminded me of a song that i heard back when i was nine years old um at vacation bible school with salty the salter right um this blue bible this blue book and uh um they sang these songs yeah you're with me um, and they were on attitudes that we should have. And one of them was on patience. And it was, it was a snail. There was this snail and everybody hated the snail because he was always so slow and they were always waiting for him, right? And so the snail responded with this song. This was his song. Have patience, have patience. Don't be in such a hurry when you get impatient. You only start to worry Remember, 
Remember that God is patient too. And think about the times when others have to wait on you. Right? Okay? Nine years old. It's as applicable today as it was a long time ago. You know, it's a true story. Life is less hectic when we're patient. And, and, and sometimes when you sense your, this impatience coming, you have to just take a deep breath. You've got to stop. You've got to pray, Lord. I know, you, I, I know you want me to be patient here. Give me the strength to be patient. And I, I believe he will answer. And he will teach you and he will grow you to be a patient person. Um, Kevin walked into a doctor's office and the receptionist asked him what he had. Kevin said, shingles. So she wrote down his name, address, medical insurance number, and told him to have a seat. Fifteen minutes later, a nurse's aide came out and asked Kevin what he had. Kevin said, shingles. So she wrote down his height, weight, a complete medical history, and told Kevin to wait in the examining room. A half hour later, a nurse came in and asked Kevin what he had. Kevin said, shingles. So the nurse gave Kevin a blood test, a blood pressure test, an electrocardiogram, and told Kevin to take off all his clothes and wait for the doctor. An hour later, the doctor came in and found Kevin sitting patiently in the nude and asked Kevin what he had. Kevin said, shingles. The doctor asked, where? Kevin said, outside on the truck. Where do you want me to unload them? I think I'd have given up on my patience if I, you know. It's like, could, could I explain this a little bit more? But uh, one of those places where we can practice patience is at a doctor's office, isn't it? I mean, it just is. It's one of those places that it's just completely out of your control. There's nothing you can do to speed things along. And it's only going to raise your blood pressure so that when they come and check it, you're going to have to come back next week anyway, right? So we need to practice patience. Whether, um, again, here's another verse for us. Colossians 3, 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourselves. Put it on. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Whether it's our response to situations outside of our control or whether it's relationships with family and friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, wives, co-workers, we can practice patience. And we need to remember that life is more like a marathon than a sprint. And the more patience we have, the more, more enjoyable the trip is going to be. In 1983, Australia hosted its ultra marathon. Have you ever heard of an ultra marathon? I hadn't. 573.7 mile foot race. I don't even know why they put the point seven on there, but I, I guess it's whatever. It, it's a foot race from Sydney to Melbourne. And this, this race takes days to run, and professionals from all over the world come to participate. Shortly in 1983, before the race began, a 61-year-old farmer named Cliff Young, wearing coveralls or overalls and goulashes over his boots, walked up to the registration table and requested a number to enter the race. The people at the registration... This is real. I checked this out. Okay? This is not a story. The people at the registration table thought it was a joke that somebody was setting them up, so they laughed. But Cliff Young said, no, I'd really like to run. So they gave him a number and they pinned it to his coveralls. 
Cliff Young walked over to the start of the race. All the other professional runners were decked out in their running attire, looked at him like he was crazy. The crowd snickered. They laughed even more when the gun went off and the race began because all the professional runners had sculpted bodies and beautiful strides, but not Cliff Young. He didn't even run like a runner. Cliff Young ran with an awkward, goofy-looking shuffle. All through the crowd, people were laughing, and finally somebody called out, Get the old fool off the track! Well, five days, 14 hours, and four minutes later, at 1.25 in the morning, Cliff Young shuffled across the finish line of the 573.7-mile ultramarathon. He had won the race. He won the race. Uh, and he didn't win by a matter of minutes or even an hour or two. The second-place runner was nine hours and 56 minutes behind him. Cliff Young had set a new world record for the ultramarathon, a 61-year-old farmer from Australia. The press mobbed him, wondering what kind of special running shoes he must have had. And they rummaged through his backpack, wondering what he'd survived on. He'd lived primarily on pumpkin seeds and water. And then they discovered the secret to his success. Cliff Young had shuffled his way to victory without ever sleeping. It's the old tortoise in the hare, right? Life is a marathon not a sprint. The other runners would run for 18 hours straight and then stop and sleep for three or four hours. He endured running five days, 14 hours, and four minutes at the age of 61. True story. I, I, I looked it up because I was dubious when I read it. Life is a marathon. And that marathon can be a lot more enjoyable if we operate out of the habits of selflessness and patience. And then the last point in your, in your notes there is um, patience in Christ. And, and this points us, um, I, I think it's in reference to, to our testimony and how we would preach to our friends and our neighbors about the saving grace of Jesus Christ and the fact that, that we need to have patience with them as well. Just as God has patience with us and, and brought us to the point of salvation, we can trust him as we share with our friends and neighbors to bring them to the point of salvation as well. Second Timothy 4.2 Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Jesus paid the price. He died. He rose three days later. That's our message. When we put our faith and trust in him, we will be saved, God's word says. And as we teach that and as we preach that and as we share that with our friends and our neighbors, we put that in God's hands and trust him patiently trust him to work that out in their life my final illustration this morning um, deals with the, the non-hole that's out here where our addition is going uh, our hope was to dig the hole for that before Easter and we, we still haven't dug it yet and we're still um, in the closing days but we're still providing information to the state of Wyoming Fire Marshal <sighs> And it's been frustrating. Um, and, and it's been really hard to be patient with them because when we, when we send them the information, we think they have it all, and then we get a letter back that says, oh, no, we need one more thing or we need two more things. It's just like, ugh. And as Ty and I were talking about this this morning, this illustration really fits. Two weeks ago, the fire inspector, not the, the person in, in uh, Riverton that does the, the approval of the plans, the inspector said, well, you know, it's just really a few more formalities. You guys, can start, um, you guys can start doing the dirt work and stuff if you'd like. No way. 
no way I'm digging any dirt until I get the official stamp that says you can go forward with this plan. Why? Why do I feel that way? It's because I don't trust. I'm not trusting what he said. I don't trust the state fire marshal's office. Um, until that stamp is in my hands, there's just no amount of digging I want to do because my fear is that if we dig the hole, something's going to come up and we're just going to have to fill it back in again. I mean, it's just been a real frustrating thing. And, and as I've been thinking about that, isn't that the way it is with our patients in God acting in our own life? Is It kind of boils down to a lack of trust. You know, we, want, we want it right now. We want this right now, God. Give me this right now. And, and if he doesn't give it to us, then we go try and figure out how we can get it anyway. And the reason we would take that into our own hands is because we don't trust him to do what he promises over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and we see in history. It's to love us and do what's best for us. So, you know, I'm sure that we are going to get approval and we're going to be able to dig the hole and go forward and I'm excited about that and it's going to be great. Um, but there just is that nagging, I just don't have enough trust to start doing the dirt work yet. And so kind of two things. One, to kind of tell you where we're at with the addition, and two, to, to challenge us one more time. Are we trusting God? Let's do. And know that He will work out patience in your life and in mine. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank You. Thank You for having patience with us. And Father, as we, as we come down to this communion table here this morning, it's good for us to remember that you, in your patience and in your timing, provided a sacrifice and provided a way out for us, a way for us to be reconciled with you and to have our sin forgiven and wiped away. Lord, thank you. Lord, I pray that, that, that my, my friends here, that our church family and those that are visiting and our guests this morning, Father, I pray that, that you would help us to see the positives of being selfless and being patient. And Lord, I pray that each one of us would, in fact, get up each morning and surrender our life to you, surrender these attitudes to you, and that we would stand in amazement at what you do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.